0: Mac Power Users, episode 254, getting things done with David Allen. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David.
1: Hey, Katie Floyd. How are you today?
0: I'm great. Welcome to our first official show on Relay FM.
1: Yeah, it's nice. Uh, i like I like the couches they're very yeah, comfortable yeah they've over
0: they've here. got uh they've got nice accommodations over here, and you know we got comfy couches and you know nice space and it's it's good i I may change some paint color and do some other stuff, but otherwise they, we're we're good we're settling in
1: they didn't get my memo. there are actually green m and m's in my dish, and I'm a little upset about that, but otherwise uh, I have no complaints.
0: I like the blue ones myself, but I will eat the green ones so. So for those of you who have resubscribed to the new Relay FM f- uh, feed, thank you. For those of you who didn't on the 5x5 feed, hopefully uh, your feed redirected and you're listening to this episode. Uh, but we are asking everyone, if you have not already, and we will repeat this on the next couple of episodes, uh, please, please, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Relay FM uh, feed, the R- RSS feed. And you can find that at uh, relay.fm slash mpu slash feed. Uh, Mike and Stephen have really gone above and beyond along with all of their uh, web development support and everybody over at Relay uh, to make everything at Relay work for us. They've imported all of our old shows. They've actually redesigned uh, their website and their CMS to, to accommodate Mac Power users and our, our vast, uh, back catalog of, of shows and make it searchable and to make the experience for, for us and for all of our listeners, uh, really a good one. So, so please resubscribe to that Relay FM feed, uh, if you haven't already done so. So we are very pleased to have back with us on MacPower Users, uh, David Allen, who is a world-renowned author and probably best known for his uh, book, Getting Things Done. It's a book that I first read uh, about 10 years ago, and uh, it's one that has recently been rewritten and revisited with a lot of updates for the technology age. Uh, Welcome, David, to MacPower Users, and thank you for joining us again.
2: Hey, Katie. David, delighted to be back. Thanks. Did did, did we just not... Were we not clear enough or were we not thorough enough with what we did
1: before? Or is this we ready just to take this to a deeper cut? We're we're going deeper. Actually, we're doing two things. Uh, we we heard back from a lot of our listeners. Number one is um, we, we spoke a lot about the geeky parts last time, and the listeners are definitely more interested in some of the more, you know, uh, substantial pieces of getting things done. And with this new book, you've done some great work. I like I've got a big highlighter all over the cognitive science chapter, and I want to talk about that. But we also heard from people saying, you know, I don't have that much exposure to GTD. And last time you guys dove straight into the weeds. So can you spend just a little bit of time talking about it more generally so I can get a better idea if this is something I want to explore? And, um, and I thought, well, who better to talk with that than, than Mr. Allen himself? So uh, let's start there at the beginning. I mean, why or how, in what context did you come up with these ideas for getting things done? And, and what drove you to write about it in the first place?
2: The desire to maintain and create more space. I'm a freedom guy. Amen. But more space, but more, you know, you don't need time. You need space. You don't, how much time does it take to have a good idea or to be loving or present, you know? That takes no time. It takes room. If your brain is engaged and and wrapped around old business residue commitments, unclarified, unnegotiated, renegotiated, unorganized, you know, I'm sorry, you're you're you are suboptimizing your brain's op, you know, ability to be able to be as free and creative and spontaneous as there's a part of you naturally wants and needs to be.
1: So all I did was figure out how do you get rid of the residue. And you know what that there's a lot more to that than what you just said in my mind, (laughs) because I think we all are experiencing that, especially in the modern digital age. Well,
2: you know, it comes down to, it's called, well, what would you use more space for, right? Do you want to be able to watch your daughter actually play soccer without being on your smartphone? Do you actually want to be more creative and think more, uh, uh strategically and innovatively about your strategic plan and given the meeting coming up at the board next week you want to have more room to just etc 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 so a 24 year old rock musician will use space and be interested in it for one reason a 53 year old executive that just merged with a company is going to want to use it for another
1: reason but they all want more space I had a, an experience just this past weekend that actually made me think of you and, and the things I've learned from your books. And uh, recently in my life, uh, I've made a bunch of changes. I've left a, the law firm I was with for 20 years. I've gone out on my own and all of a sudden I'm this entrepreneur and I'm very busy and trying to figure out how to make it all work. And uh, so I had Saturday set aside to handle a bunch of little problems that, I've, that have been lingering in my life. And about four o'clock, my 18 year old going to 19 year old says, hey, dad, I'd really like to go to the beach and get ice cream with you. And, um, it, you know, in my mind, I had this really carefully constructed plan for the day where I was going to get all this stuff done. And when she said that, I immediately switched gears. I mean, when you have an 18 year old that asks you to go have ice cream with her, you you go, <laughs> you know, you don't even think about it. But the the thing that I thought of was. I, I went in my OmniFocus database. I just took everything that I had planned to do that evening and just pushed it off one day, which is very easy with that software. And I went and had a great time with her. And when I got back, I was reflecting on it, that, you know, she's not going to be around much longer. And it would have been really easy for me before GTD just to just say, okay, I can't go with you. I have the things I need to do tonight. And I'm so glad that um that I didn't even think about that. Well... You know, David, it's,
2: people ask me, what's new, you know, these days? And I say nothing except how frequently it is. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know, and, and so your ability to be able to recalibrate the new, how quickly can you, you know, input it, not lose it, figure out exactly what it means, and then park that in the relevant context of the gestalt of all of your commitments to date, and then refocus quickly, that's the martial art.
0: Oh, and I think and originally. Uh, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Somebody just recently asked me how how would I, since I talk a lot about the martial art, how would I define martial art? And I and I say successful overcoming. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. As opposed to ballet or the piano or 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 whatever, there is something martial about this, which means it's not just an, an art that you do in free form. And nothing is coming at you in the world other than perhaps your internal, emotional, and and psychic or spiritual states that you then do art about or for. You know the martial aspect is look we're engaged. You you've you've hopped in. You've incarnated. You've you've engaged yourself in a material world that by its very nature is going to surprise you, throw you for a loop, hit you from the blind side. You know it seems to be designed that way. So that's why. I, the management of life's work. And that's, I think, the new edition of the book. I've tried to stress that. This is a lifelong lifestyle event. How do you, the art and craft of how you manage the flow of life's work. And I don't think anybody until me and GTD really started to actually define and refine
1: what that craft is. That's another thing that really came out for me in the book, uh, the idea of GTD as a lifelong practice. and. And you know, I, I've always kind of understood that, but for me, it's a very similar experience because I'm a meditator. I've been doing mindfulness meditation for like, I don't know, 15 years now. And it's the same thing where uh, you, you, it's not something where there's really, at least in my mind, a goal of someday I'm going to become some amazing person. But this practice, just having the practice and constantly refining it always makes my life a little bit easier. And And some of the advice you give in the book about making this a lifelong practice is very similar to some of the meditation coaching I've received over the years that, you know, don't punish yourself when you fall off the wagon. It's okay. You just, what do you do when you fall off the wagon? You get back on it. And and that's just, in fact, you acknowledge in the book that, you know, figuring out GTD involves that very process many times as you get better at it.
2: Well, think about getting better at anything. The better you get at driving, the more you're going to run into very subtle and sophisticated challenges and fall off and course correct. The, more, the better you get at chess, the better you get at Scrabble, the better you get at anything. is going to, uh, you know, entice you, you know, uh, motivate you to play bigger games. And we now use the tether metaphor in surfing. You know, good surfers, what do they have, you know, on their ankle? They have an ankle tether. Why? Yeah. hey. If I fall off the wave, it lets me get back on quickly, right? So the better your tether, the bigger waves you'll surf.
1: Now, one of the things I I felt like we didn't cover uh, very well in our first interview with you was about, you know, the blessing and the curse of modern technology and how that impacts, I guess, the need for GTD and the implementation of it, Um. You know, and I guess one of the issues that everybody comes to mind is email, but I don't think it's just email. I think it's texting and all these digital inputs into our lives. Well, we're
0: we're even starting to see this a little bit with, with the release of the Apple Watch. This is the problem that, that, that Apple may be trying to solve that that they even created is that we're all, you know, nosed down into our, our smartphones or whatever we have is that we now have all of these things that are vying for our attention now, whether it's our, our iPhone, or our Blackberry or text messages, and this is dinging and that is dinging. And, um, you know, we no longer tend to have these nine to five jobs. And it seems that more and more different things are vying for our attention. And we are constantly being interrupted, and it it seems more and more difficult to attain this. You call it in your book, mind like water state. When when we are bombarded by these constant interruptions and this technology that we have, it it can be both a blessing and a curse.
2: Well, if you know what you're doing, it's a great time to be alive.
0: Right. If you right. don't, you're screwed. Uh, and I think you try to address some of that uh, in the in the new edition of your book. Well,
2: you know, technology. I'm sorry. If you get an email or a text that says, "You know, uh, hey, Katie, could you do X, Y, and Z?" There's no difference than somebody walking down the hall and going, "Hey, Katie, would you do X, Y, and Z?" Except the medium. The medium. So don't shoot the medium. What the medium has done is create the, the 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 opportunity for so many more people and so many more inputs that are potentially meaningful to you to be on your radar and to land into your ecosystem. So that means what that did was that just all that's done is increase the 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 necessity to be really clear should I even get this to begin with somebody just gave me a tip by the way recently I just in, in implemented it the today they said uh, put a uh if you can if you can in your in your software app uh make a rule that anything that has unsubscribed to it put into a different folder Because then that's going to give you a very quick filter of things you need to get unhooked from.
0: It's like creating an email rule that says anything with unsubscribe goes into a separate folder. Okay.
2: Yeah. So I haven't tried it. I I just installed it. So I haven't used it yet. But that idea is just, you know, it's just an example of, okay, how do I create the filters I need to create so that I don't let myself be, you know, too distracted by all that. I mean, you know, we can all resist anything but temptation. So that's the problem is now the technology and the 24-7 stuff has got everything out there all the time available to us. And especially if you challenge yourself to be involved in more complex things that require you to do deeper thinking, that require you to do reflective thinking, that require you to back off, go internal, you know, and check in with all of those resources internally. Instead of being, you know, distracted and addicted to the bright bubbles of what's, you know, pinging you in your universe, that's the biggest problem, is that thing. And by the way, if I didn't mention it, in our, I may not have, I don't think I'd read it or that it, it had even come out in our last interview. It's a brand new book out called Brain Chains by Theo Compernolle, C-O-M-P-E-R-N-O-L-L-E. And anybody listening to this, read it at your peril, because... It will be a lot of very, very, very validated, aggregated data from the cognitive scientist about how multitasking sucks. And as a matter of fact, data that shows even hands-free on your phone, in your car, is as dangerous statistically as texting because of the switching cost of your consciousness. So there's a lot of stuff showing up that, that, that yes, there is something different in the world out there, just the stress of opportunity and the stress of distractibility, you know, indeed.
0: And humans really aren't as good multitaskers as we like to think we are. Of course, we all think we're wonderful at multitasking, but that's really not the case.
1: Indeed. Multitasking and busyness are are two what I call false badges of honor. Whenever someone likes to brag to me about how busy they are or how good they are at multitasking, I always have to take a step back and say, "Okay, what are you trying to tell me here? Because it seems to me like both of those things are... Things I do not aspire towards.
2: <laughs> well, but David, step back a minute because in, in, at more subtle levels about errors, once you really get the GTD process, I mean, a lot of that stuff about multitasking is because people don't, don't trust they have placeholders. And so their psyche is still trying to hang on to the last thing because they don't have a place that they trust they can drop it. So, so the, the attempt at psychological multitasking just sort of undermines the cognitive capabilities. If you truly have a placeholder system, you know, wow, I talk to you guys, I say, yes, I'm going to, I'm writing a note while I say that, I throw that in my in-basket, I turn around, the next thing that comes to me, no matter what horizon, no matter what it is, I can give it my full attention. You know, without distractability, simply because I got a placeholder. If I hadn't taken the note and thrown it in my in basket and trust that I'd empty my in basket, then my brain still says, wait a minute, I can't give full attention to that because I'm still now wrapped around this previous thing that I don't I don't trust I can
1: track. And, uh, other other than internally. And one of the one of the best things I got out of your book to begin with, way back whenever I read it the first time, is the I, the concept of planning towards and after any engagement with another person. Like whenever I have a meeting with someone, I I schedule time in advance to prepare what is it that we're going to talk about and kind of get my thoughts together. And afterwards, I also have time planned where I capture all of the stuff that arose out of that, whether it be a phone call or a text message or a live in-person meeting. And over the years, so many people have um, complimented me. Boy, you just seem to have it so together. And I think so much of it is attributable to just that one little thing i got out of the first time i read getting things done was just that one little piece of it
2: and some of the sophistication about the whole lifestyle lifelong sophistication and refinement of this practice is sometimes you don't want to do that sometimes you want to go i'm going to let it play you know i'm not going to do any pre whatever and so you're making a conscious choice to say i'm going to let spontaneity serendipity or whatever show up because i think that's where the value may happen so the ability to be free to not do that is as much part of GTD as being able to do what you just suggested, which you, you can't fault. I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Um, so but but the pushback oftentimes is from people. I don't want to get too organized. That's not going to allow me the freedom to be as spontaneous as I want to be. And I like to be to sort of be in the moment and to be present. So it's a strange little sort of Zen paradox, you know, sort of co thing here that how do you get
1: structured enough so that you can be appropriately unstructured? No, and that, that makes complete sense. If you think about it for a minute, because only can you be free to go get ice cream when you know exactly what else is going on. So you don't have to, you know, you have the ability to step away from it. If I didn't have my lists and everything ready um, and she says, "I want a to good to ice cream." I'd be going, saying, "Oh boy, am I blowing something right now? Is there something back home that is that is crashing to the ground because I'm doing this?" Whereas, and go ahead. Yeah, and,
2: and David, it even gets more subtle than that. Even if you didn't have all those lists there, but you knew you could, if you had to, that would still give you the freedom to do that.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> I need
2: more words? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I say this This gets more subtle. It gets a little dangerous because the kind of the better you get at this, the more edgy you get. The more, you know, I am, you know, I, I have to hang on because I get really free to get really crazy and unhooked. And you know, it's like, OK, you know, how unstructured can I be? And so I, I still have to, you know, my challenge is to say, OK, David, come on keep coming back to the well to make sure that you can still be as free as you're expressing yourself right now.
0: Speaking a little bit about that. I mean, it sounds like certainly there are things that have different levels of, of priorities. There, there are certain things that have to be done on specific times and specific days. Um, perhaps that's, that's more where a calendar comes into play. You, you have certain appointments and, and certain things that must be that have due dates and must be done by, by certain days. And, and then you have things that are, that are more flexible. Um, how do you manage those priorities? I, you know, one of my, my pet peeves and it, it happens quite frequently in my day job is, is I have people who, who will just tell me that they are so busy that they are so overwhelmed. And the only time anything ever gets done is, is when it becomes a true crisis. And then that crisis tends to bleed over into coworkers and, and to other people. Um, and, and so, having everything in this trusted system, um, how, how do you manage those priorities and, and say, and I, I tend to say, well, if I've, if I've committed that I'm going to do something, then I'm going to do something and, and, if I'm not, well, no is a very powerful word and I just can't commit to it right now. And so um, can you talk a little bit about priorities? Because I think that's where a lot of us get into trouble is we, we either overcommit ourselves or or we try to be a little too freeing. And then when we realize we've got an upcoming deadline of something that absolutely has to get done, it then becomes a crisis.
2: Well, you ask a big question there, Katie. Come on. So why are you on the planet? What's your life purpose? How are you doing? Right. And by the way, and therefore, what should you be doing? So, the, you know, I, what I identified was six horizons that we have commitments there all the way from, well, you know, why are you here to what's your vision of wild success five years from now, all the way down to what do you need to do in the next 12 months, all the way down to what do you need to manage and maintain like your health and your finances and relationships and all the way down to what are all the projects you need to do about all that, which is 30 to 100, all the way down to what are all the action steps you need to take about any moving parts on all that, which is 150 to 220. So. There's a big inventory of stuff. If you don't have that inventory objectified and out in front of you, you will be driven by latest and loudest and overcommit. I guarantee you, I've never seen an exception. So the, our first job is to get people to become conscious about what all of that is that they actually have commitments about. You know, if you say, David, how do I set my priorities? To say, at what level have you, not had, have you not matured your conversation? Do you know... You know, have you have you looked across your whole life in terms of health and vitality and finances and career and relationships and recreation and creative expression? Have you analyzed that little template or orientation map recently? How are you doing about all that? Oh, and by the way, where do you want to be five years from now? You know, you and any life partners or other people you're engaged with. You know, what, what when's the last time you had that conversation? So there's a lot of different levels that you could talk about. How do I set or clarify or ensure that I'm working on priorities? On the other hand, if you haven't even if you if you can't manage your current reality, don't try to manage a future one. (laughs) It's like, I'm sorry, if if you need dog food and you and and it's out of control, you know, I'm not going to trust you to do anything. So, you know, (laughs) building the ability to be able to execute on whatever level you've chosen to manage against all the other things at that level is a great executional skill. So even at, at the getting things done methodology, even if you don't hop up to those higher levels of horizons, which really ultimately drive your your, your priorities, right. if you can't if you can't handle execution, you know, thinking about your priorities is going to create more stress.
1: Right. He, I'd like to can I talk about that for just one second? The, because one of the to me the big advantages of GTD was it was so accessible from the beginning and. Um, you know, if you, if you're just getting into GTD, one of the first things you learn is, Hey, get all that stuff out of your brain, write everything down so you don't have to carry all that baggage around. And like it's very practical. Get, you know, the on ramp is smooth and, you know, getting into just the very basics. And before you know it, getting through David's book, you're going to be able to manage a a nice large task load. You're going to be able to have an idea what your projects are. But I do think that what David was just talking about in terms of, you know, getting those higher priorities figured out is really what you need to do to make sure you don't fill your list with stuff that's not important. Um, And and what is a good way for people to kind of get to that level of GTD to start thinking about those priorities? Because I think a lot of people get really good at the beginning, and they get a little lost along the way in terms of deciding, you know, their their principal uh, priorities in life and those types of issues.
2: Yeah, well, David, there's a simple algorithm called, hey, fill out the list with what you currently think, what's currently on your brain you know, cat food, uh, hire an assistant. Oh, I need to get a new, find a new doctor. Oh, we need to change our babysitter. Oh, I need get all that out of your head. Get all that in front of you. Get your list of projects that you are committed to complete about any of that. And then step back and say, wait a minute, (laughs) is that what I should be doing? So in a way, you know, what we found over the years is that that generally there are many exceptions to this. But generally speaking, you need to start. What's different about GTD is is we start with where you are as opposed to where you should be. Everybody out there is trying to think, where should I be? What should I be doing? What 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 goals should I set? You know, what how should I set my priorities or whatever? And and we're going, look, you're out of control with where you are. Don't try to. (laughs) If you want to stress yourself out, focus on your values and new goals. Right. If you wanted to relax, just lower your standards. So in a way, what you need to do is make sure you can control what you've currently committed to. If you can't do that, don't even kid yourself that you're going to feel, you know, in control of taking on new stuff. That said, oftentimes when you focus on what's really important to you, it will give you motivation to manage these levels. Because yeah. execution will become that much more critical to you,
1: and that's been my experience is Or kind of organically, I've I've elevated to looking at my priorities and what's more important to me. Once I was able to quantify all this stuff and I see it in front of me, um, then it's just so much easier for me to get a better idea of, of you know what is it that I'm actually focusing my time on versus what is it that uh, where where I want to go. And suddenly, then I start start driving from the top down. You know, then I start saying, well, is this something that really is pushing, you know, me getting the next book written or there's something really pushing me, you know, taking care of client issue or whatever it is, or is this just me spinning my wheels for really no reason? And all of a sudden then, you know, coming back down into the weeds, that list starts getting smaller and then the reviews start helping. But I do think that is a a challenge for people that, that get into getting things done is at what point do they start, you know, cognitively thinking about the bigger picture and how that affects this these lists and these cards or these these files that they've created
2: don't worry about it the whole point and hopefully i made that point in the new edition is that just pay attention to what has your attention you know what do i need to do to get that off my mind you know i'm not telling people to set goals i'm just saying if you need to set goals to get that off your mind then you better do that you know, if you just want to be, I'm just going to wander around and let life happen. and go, well, way cool. You know, you're fine you know, until you create some tension or think something that has your attention that needs you to then manage resources that you can't finish in the moment that you think of it. That's when you need to start to use this process. How do I manage myself? How do I manage my attention? How do I manage my
1: resources to be able to accomplish something that may not be totally present yet? It's just uncanny to me how much you sound like so many of my meditation teachers over the years.
2: They they the just came. Types. Oh come on! They just relaxed and came to the conclusion of the truth. I did too.
1: So you know, nobody's got a lock on that. Yeah, but this <laughs> it's, 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 the similarity to me is striking. Um, the uh, you know another question we had from a lot of um, listeners about it is okay, I've figured out GTD, but I'm in a room full of people that don't have GTD figured out. Is there a way that I can bring this to my team? And, uh, you know, in terms of delegating tasks and working in an office environment that doesn't really respect the GTD method.
2: Well, just get, just take GTD out of your vocabulary. You know, if, if, if you've got people who report to you in some sort of way in terms of your role, just, you know, next time you see them say, hey, give me a list of everything that you're committed to complete that i may have handed to you or relative to your role here so i can see because i got some new really way cool stuff i'm going to hand to some people i just want to see what your workload is
1: and if they can't produce it fire them Hmm. the um you know it is it was my experience when i was in a bigger office that uh, you know, I was doing GTD by example, just because it was working so well for me. People would eventually come up to me and ask me, well, how, how are you pulling all this off? Can you s- show me how? And I would just point them at your book. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But I, uh, I did. I never really brought it into kind of the meetings, if that makes any sense.
2: Well, you know, there's there's two indications that people, you know, aren't doing GTD is either they're working too hard to make this stuff happen, but they don't need to or they're letting stuff fall through the, fall through the cracks. The latter is easier to deal with, especially if you're in a boss capacity. You can fire them if they don't produce what you need them to produce. In other words, what's your commitment? You didn't produce the deliverable. You know, I kept track of it. You didn't You know, grow up. Or I'm, I'm going to get somebody who can. So that's the hard-nosed side of that game, and that makes it a little bit easier if you're in that position. If it's, say if it's somebody's producing results, but, man, they're, they're turning to toast, they're burning out because they're not doing it very efficiently, because of their lack of the GTD practices, you know, that's a little more subtle than, than it's more of a coaching, counseling, you know, hey, can I help you out? You know, and hey, you might want to consider this or consider that. Yeah, to your point, David, I mean, you know, modeling it is, there's nothing better than modeling
1: it. Well, what about the flip side of that? What if your boss is one of these guys who hasn't got it figured out and you do? Um, what would you suggest?
2: What's your tolerance for how long you're willing to tolerate that before he gets fired?
1: Yeah, or, or dust off your resume.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, what, what, how much patience do you have to tolerate that environment before you just change environments?
0: We'll have more with David Allen in just a minute, but before we get back, I do want to take a quick break to talk about our exclusive sponsor for this episode, and that is our friends over at Smile. And I want to talk about Text Expander. Now, Text Expander is one of my most used applications on the Mac, and what Text Expander allows you to do is type a few brief snippets of text, and it will expand into much larger blocks of text. So you can use Text Expander to insert a standard greeting, to insert text-based email signatures, or to even include full Blocks of text, including even pages of text. Now, Text Expander can get even more detailed by including formatted text, pictures. It can save you thousands of keystrokes by allowing you to type these very short abbreviations and get long snippets of text in return. One of my favorite uses of Text Expander is it allows me to look brilliant by automatically correcting all of my typos. So I have a Text Expander snippet. Where I type some of my most commonly misspelled words, and Text Expander will automatically correct those words by expanding those words into their correct usages. Uh, Text Expander uh, also includes a few pre filled snippets, so you can download their autocorrect database and it will do this for you automatically. Uh, Text Expander includes several custom and advanced features, like the ability to create fill in snippets. So if you're using Text Expander uh, to create custom emails, you can create many fields to say, Dear blank, thank you so much for sending. Me the blank. I'm going to use it for blank. Uh, and you can automatically fill those snippets in as the fly. Uh, you can create snippets with drop down menus copy and paste your clipboard in and all of these snippets that you've lovingly created over the years will sync automatically via Dropbox so you can use your text expander snippets across all of your computer or across multiple devices. I have created so many text expander snippets that sometimes it can be difficult to remember when I've created a text expander snippet and when I haven't and that's not a problem because you can search all of your text expander snippets directly from the menu bar or via convenient keyboard shortcut. Text Expander uh, is available for Mac and iOS. If you've got Text Expander on iOS, all of your snippets will sync via Dropbox, and they have an amazing custom keyboard which allows you to expand snippets in any iPhone app or any iPad app. Uh, Also, many developers have used the Text Expander development kit to allow them to expand text expander snippets directly within the app and sync all of these automatically. So you don't even have to install the custom keyboard if you don't want to, they just work. It is absolutely amazing. I cannot begin to tell you how much time Text Expander has saved me across all of my devices. Uh, if you're interested in getting started with Text Expander, and you should, uh, you can download a free trial of Text Expander for the Mac by heading over to smilesoftware.com slash MPU. Uh, you can download a free trial of Text Expander, learn all about it, figure out all of the time that Text Expander is going to save you, and then when you're ready to buy, uh, go head over to Smile Software and download it. You can also find Text Expander for iOS over in the Mac App Store. So, thank you to the fine folks over at TextExpander and at Smile Software for their long term support of Mac Power users. Thanks, Smile. You talk a little bit about a, a waiting for list and um, when you're when you're working within a team or or when you're delegating tasks. Um, circling back to people, you know, if, if I've delegated tasks to, to my assistant and I'm following up for her, um, I, I know a lot of people are, are struggling with that concept of, you know, circling back around to somebody or, or following up with someone. Uh, do you have any best practices or anything over the year of, of following up and, and using that GTD methodology when you're, when you're delegating?
2: What's the struggle? You keep track, you write down anything you're deliverable, you care about, you get you once a week, you look at it and say, should I light a fire kick butt about this? What's the struggle?
0: So do you have a separate separate list per person or just a, a single waiting for list that you follow up with every week or?
2: Well, I have a kind of cool little app, you know, on, on top of Lotus Notes. So I can, on my waiting for list, I can put the person's name and then a dash, and then it sorts all my waiting for is by them as soon as I look at it. So uh, that's pretty easy. My wife or my CEO or anybody, I just go glance at the list and I'll see the two, three, four, six things that I've given to them that I'm waiting for. It just takes a half a second. What's the struggle?
1: I I think one of the underlying uh, struggles, I guess, on that theme is, and I hear this from listeners and I experience it myself sometimes, is as you get more adept at, tracking projects and putting these things together they, it is very common for people to start taking on more because they feel like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm Superman. Now I have these skills, these superhuman skills to get things done. So I'm going to take on more. And then you get overwhelmed and, and well, I'm guilty of this. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, and this is, this is a constant struggle for me is, is making sure I don't overcommit to things. And to me, I, I talk to people. In fact, I, Recently, I was talking to a friend about how to get better at at using some of these tools, and I saw it in him so clearly that he had committed himself way more than he could. And he says, "Well, this stuff just isn't working for me." I said, "Well, it works for you, but you've taken on too much." Um, do you have any advice for people that you know are are dealing with that issue or are aware that they're they're culpable of that issue? Great question, David. As a matter of fact, we've
2: seen um, over the years. And particularly recently, uh, several examples of very, very sophisticated people who had exactly that same issue called the better they, you know, and then, you know, I just have this admonition, the better you get, the better you better get. So as you get better at it, you will then tend to, you know, uh, increase your appetite uh, because you have flow capability. So, wow, I can take that on. I can spin. Wow. I am I now spinning six plates in the air. I could spin 12. Yo, dude, bring it on. And then invariably what happens, and by the way, this is a hallmark of your movement along the path of GTD mastery, is at some point you look at that and go, wait a minute, that's not what this whole game is about. It's about quality of life and quality of execution and quality of what I'm doing and all that stuff. And that's where the someday maybe list starts to be enlivened. Oh, wait a minute, a little too much. You know, speed up by slowing down, but that only comes after a, quite a bit of maturity with the the skill and success with execution,
1: and then you're ready for the next level of game. Well, it, it's funny. My experience is I, I back off, I realize it, and then a few months later, I'll catch myself doing the same thing over again. So it's it. I guess I'm somewhere in that in that uh, continuum at this point because it. it
2: well, you know, it, it, it's funny, David. I I noticed over the years I have this cycle. And I think I haven't I haven't thought about it recently, Um, but, you know, for a while I realized it was about a six month cycle where I go six months of of creation and over creation and then six months of completion. You know, I'll I'll clean everything up. Everything's intact. I'm current. I'm yo, dude, bring it on. And then I bring it on. (laughs) And then after about six months, there seems to be some part of me that goes, ah, you know, hold on. Wait a minute. And then I spend the next six months sort of cleaning up and finishing those big projects and getting closure on all that and whatever. So there seems to be some cycle, you know, of creativity and closure that may be a, a somewhat of a natural cycle for all of us. But I, I found I could only manage that and feel comfortable about that with all this stuff very conscious and very externalized so I could, you know, negotiate it that
1: way. But that, that then allowed me that sort of deeper level of reflection about what this will. And the big advantage for me with all this is awareness is that I'm aware of what I've committed to, whereas before I really wasn't. And so it gives me a little more ability and freedom to decide what I'm going to dump or what I'm going to continue with in the process. But, boy, it, it's a it's a it's a struggle for me. I, I still to this day overcommit all the time. And, um, you know, I'll get there. <laughs> you know, Well, like, you know, at, at, at some point you just go, wait a minute, just relax.
2: You know, and once you start to just enjoy the game, it's called, well, look, have I taken on a bigger game than I need to? Did I did I sign up for pro football, but I still should be playing in the minors? You know, (laughs) you know, and at some point, as you say, just becoming conscious of it, but trying to become conscious of it from an external standpoint, when it is when it is still in your head, as opposed to an external system. Good luck. You'll still be driven by latest and loudest. There'd be no way on earth you could see from a larger orientation map or context, you know, the game you're playing until you actually capture the game you're playing at all these multiple levels.
1: And I think that's one of the things, uh, getting back to kind of the digital influx of, of data and information that uh, that's why I think that's an easy trap for people because you get a lot of email or maybe you get a lot of Facebook notices or whatever it is, these tiny little bits of demands on your attention. And when you start feeling overwhelmed, one of the easiest fallbacks to go to is, well, I'm going to go fiddle with Facebook or email or text messages for a while. And it's it's really, in my opinion, kind of an escape rather than facing the problem head on.
2: Well, it's better than taking drugs. Come on. You know, they're they're. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 escape, I escape into words. Words with friends. I've got six games going right now. You know, and the cool thing about being in Amsterdam is they all play on the other side of the world. So you know, and I, it's not like moment to moment. They they make one move, and then twelve hours later, I make my next move. So you know, that's tolerable. But that's so much easier than trying to design the program I need to do in Russia. You know, in two weeks. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very easy to get hooked. But come on, the worst things I could do you know, to try to escape. So why not?
1: Well, I I guess uh, my point with the digital stuff though, is a lot of times um, it's not really escape. It's just more work, you know, dealing with the email influx and these things where it doesn't lend itself to what's really important to me at the time. And I don't know, I guess this is a therapy session for me a little bit. I should, I should just chill out, but
2: well, no, you know, come on uh, David and everybody listening to this, Katie, you know, it's really all about what, what are you guys doing with your life? How important is whatever this stuff is? Because I think as I, as I tried to make the point in the book, you know, there's no resolution to this other than the, than what it's doing is forcing you to decide how important is this? Where am I going? How important is social media right now? And there's no simple answer to that. I don't have a simple answer to that. You know, this is like, I've paid attention to my intuition for years. You know, there was no way I could have created a formula that said, hey, David, you need to write the book right now or you need to sign up for Twitter right now and start to tweet. You know, no way I could have said there was any reason to do that other than "Hmm, that's kind of cool. Let me try that out. And I need to start putting my voice out there in a way that people sort of recognize it and and creates a, a, a connection between the GTD and David Allen branded voice. And so there was a reason to do that. And it could also be, hey, that's just how I like to relax. I mean, you know, productivity porn is fine for people. Hey, there, there are worse ways to waste your time
1: than you know, exploring new, the new, 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 new. new. You, you know, um, talking about the reach of GTD and and the connection that people have to it. One of the things I really liked about the new version of the book is uh, when I first read it, it it, w- it definitely felt directed at you know, Mr. Business Executive. Whereas this new version feels to me a lot more accessible to to basically anybody. And I suspect that's partly because of the success of the GTD method. I mean, it's just, there's so many different people using it. Um, Well, that, and and as I make the point too, what's
2: changed is that maybe 10% of the professional world really needed GTD in, you know, in 2000, in terms of, you know, the pain and agony and potential value of it. Now it's 85% of the professional world. So it's not that the that the issue has changed the the broad the the bandwidth of people that it is relevant to and that are in pain now because they're not doing that has expanded tremendously. I also noticed you took your tie off for the cover this time. <laughs> <laughs> I would have I would have been in jeans, but you know we, we we you know we're still we're still trying to manage that in that way. And you know it, it's really true in terms of our company. Um, and come on, everybody goes through cycles and in the beginning, you know come on when I wrote the first book, and I, I think I wrote this in the in the book, my sort of apology that that we positioned this for the, the the fast track, you know, high level professional because they were the they were the bleeding edge of the people first in overwhelm with all the new world and the digital world and, and all that stuff. So it was really positioned that way, and they were the people most hungry for it and would probably be most interested in buying it. But I knew then, you know, this was for the clergy, stay-at-home dads, for kids, for whatever, I you know I've just watched this as a, as a human you know methodology that was very very powerful. But you're right that you know that's 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 one of the reasons one of the reasons I wanted to rewrite it. It really needed to be repositioned as this is lifestyle lifelong for anybody who's got a busy world that wants to stay on top of it and access their creativity.
1: Well, one of the things about GTD that I was like talking to my friends about when we're kind of geeking out on how to get better at this stuff is it's the what I call the happy chemicals. You know, when you write down everything in your head, you get happy chemicals. Or when you suddenly feel overwhelmed and you just take an hour and do a full review of your GTD system and look at all your projects and start, you know, culling the herd. Um, and when you're done, you feel so good and all of a sudden you feel like you can take on the world again. And and I never really understood it, but it was a universal experience with everyone I ever talked to about getting through this. And we even talk about this on the show quite often. And we hear from listeners that have the same experience. And you added a whole chapter to the uh, to the new book called GTD and Cognitive Science. And that really was affirming for me some of the stuff you had put in there. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Sure. Yeah. No, it's been been
2: fascinating to see how much of that and, you know, two books have shown up in the last you know, uh, 12 months that were an aggregation of a lot of this stuff that both of the authors of those books, both very, very senior sophisticated, well acknowledged researchers, uh, in cognitive science, they didn't know each other, nor had they read my stuff before they started, you know, doing their stuff. And both of them acknowledged, wow, you know, we all came to the same conclusions, but through very different, you know, routes and channels. So I know Dan Levitin now and I know Theo Compernoli now. You know, we've 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 connected with each other. And these are the two books. One is is The Organized Mind by Dan Levitin and uh, Brain Chains by Theo uh, Compernoli. And ultimately the the bottom line of all that was just fascinating called your head is not designed to hang on to stuff. It's designed to make good to recognize patterns and make decisions. Based upon that, but not for hanging on to things, you know, and, you know, that just that validation from science It's like, you know, well, I've known this for years, just watching it experientially with people, you know, in front of me, thousands of hours with some of the best and brightest and most sophisticated people watching what happened when they applied this methodology. But it was nice to <laughs> find the scientists are catching up.
1: Yeah. And and it, it just seems like it's true. Like there's a section in there about the title of the section is distributed cognition and the value of an external mind. And that's where you, you cite to some of the scientific um, data that explains why when we get the stuff off of our brain and into a trusted system, uh, we have so much less, you know, uh, tension and stress.
2: Well, what it does is relieves cognitive load. And you'll hear that phrase becoming more and more popular, I imagine, you know, about all that. That's where sort of brain fatigue and decision fatigue, you know, all that idea that, that, that when you're using your, your forebrain, the executive function in your mind to be making decisions or avoiding decisions, that it really draws down a capacity that is a limited capacity. Your, your, your brain gets tired. There's another part of your brain that doesn't, <clears throat> that will take over. When your brain, when your forebrain gets tired, and it's the reflex brain, it's the one that sort of the knee jerk, it's the reptilian brain, it's the one that you know don't trust it for your decisions. Uh, but it will it will take over when the other thing you know uh, blows up. So you know one of the things that I didn't write this in the book because this is from the new book Brain Change that I read after I'd written the the the, um, the new stuff. But had I had, you know, another two months, <laughs> you know, to, to write the book, I would certainly have included it because, you know, the, the brain, the brain that does the analytical past and future planning, et cetera, the forebrain, the executive function, it needs to be able to focus totally on what it's focused on. And then it also needs to rest and relax, which is what sleep does. And it also is why you need to stop after 90 minutes of focusing on anything The problem is if you don't do GTD, you can't do either one. You're trying to focus on the pro forma you're writing for the bank, and you just realized I need dog food, you know, pops into your head. Or you're trying to relax. You're trying to be contemplative, meditative, spontaneous, brain, you know, uh, and and do a a sort of daydreaming, which is very, 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 very healthy, you know, for your mind. Uh, And then you think, gee, I need dog food. So (laughs) if you didn't handle... You know, I need dog food as a commitment with yourself and you're not appropriately engaged with that yet in terms of the decision about it, what I need to do, where I need to park my commitment to that. You will disturb both of the optimal functionings of your cognitive mind, your ability to focus primarily on whatever you want to be focused on without distraction and your ability to rest that process uh, and refresh. So it's, you know, there's the delightful thing about all this is, wow. You know, I've been preaching out there in the wilderness. <laughs> now, you know, I guess we're getting, you know, at least more
1: scientifically popular data. Yeah, sci- science is catching up with experience. Yeah. So science, yeah and that, and that kind of leads also into that flow theory as well. I mean, just, and I can okay, you have something, but let me just follow up on this one point is that, you know, relieving the cognitive load and getting into a place where you can have flow to me is, is really important. And I, I don't, agree with people who argue that a system like GTD interferes with getting into flow. In fact, I think it's almost necessary to get there because, you know, I, I hear from listeners once in a while say, well, I, I started doing it and it was just too much work and it got in the way of me being able to stop and focus on work. And I think that they're making a mistake. I think once you get this stuff figured out, it actually gives you the freedom to stop and focus on work and getting into that flow theory, which is that state where you're just focusing on the one item and pushing through and you don't have the dog food on your brain. Indeed. Before moving on, I'd like to take a minute to talk about our exclusive sponsor, and that's the folks over at Smile Software and their product, PDF Pen. PDF Pin is the premier PDF application for Mac and iOS. Uh, they've got new version 7 out on the Mac, and it's just fantastic. Uh, it's got the modern Yosemite user interface, and they've added some new features like the ability to OCR text, uh, proof OCR text on your scan pages. You can actually see the OCR layer. Uh, it now does sharing through iCloud. It's got load and save performance improvements. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, but it's just an amazing update for an already great application. If you haven't used PDF pin, you're going to find that it really can solve all your PDF needs. You can add text and images and signatures. You can correct text. You can fill out interactive PDF forms and sign them. It has the ability to redact text. So if you want to cover up text where people can't see it, it can do that. And it can also do the OCR, the optical character recognition. In fact, the most recent update, Katie, allows you to... Um, it will automatically straighten a page as it does the OCR. So if your scan's a little crooked, it'll straighten out the page, then do the OCR. It's just a great feature. Another thing I love about PDF pin is the ability to export a PDF to Microsoft Word format. So if you ever get a, a PDF that you need to actually edit as a Word document, you just push a button and it happens. Now, if you want to up your game to the pro version, they've got even additional features like the ability to export to Excel and PowerPoint or the PDF archive format, which is becoming a big deal now. Uh, you can edit the OCR text from the scan page. You can add interactive signature blocks and a whole lot more with the pro version. Um, to try out any of these versions, you can go over to smilesoftware.com slash MPU and get more information. They've got downloadable trials. I did a whole series of videos on PDF Pen 7 for Mac, and you can watch the videos. And they're all very short, so you can go pick whichever one you want to watch. And if that's not enough, they also have PDF Pen for iOS, too. So you can also use it on your iPad and your iPhone. It works great with the version on the Mac. It syncs the documents across for you. And they've got all these great features as well on iOS. So go check out PDF Pen at smilesoftware.com slash MPU and check it out today. You're going to love it. Thanks smile for all the support.
0: So one of the things that, You know, you've you've always focused on is when that thing pops into your brain, whatever it may be, that you you go to feed Fido and you realize you're you're nearing the end of the the dog food tent and and you've gotta buy more dog food, that's when you capture that task. Not not when you're emptying the bin and realize, gosh, I should have done that last week. Or when you when you reach for milk and, and realize that you're getting towards the end, that's when you capture Capture that task, so it seems like capturing is is so important. I believe when we talked to you last, um, you, you had kind of this interesting you know wallet that you were using to capture tasks and and throw them into your inbox and then you know process them either at a set time or or throughout the day um, are you Is that still your primary method of capturing or are you using multiple methods to capture? I know everybody has to find what works for them, but um, what methods are you using now for for capturing those things as they come to you so you can get them into your system? and get them off your mind.
2: Yeah, whatever's closest by when that thing occurs. So for the most part, that's still the wallet. Though I have, any anytime I'm anywhere longer than 20 minutes, you know, and and a flat surface somewhere, there's a a notepad and a pen out. So, you know, low-tech pencil and paper, pen and paper, you know, and one in my pocket is absolutely, that's where most of that stuff gets captured. Still, after 25 years.
0: And then we had a couple of uh, questions from some of our listeners who wrote in and and asked about um, the question of dealing with physical inboxes. I know a lot of our listeners have have switched to digital D- gtd systems but but they still have physical items in in physical inboxes and and sometimes multiple physical inboxes that they 're they're dealing with are Are you processing items out of a single inbox? Do you recommend processing things down to to one inbox because it can it can get difficult trying to decide where you deal with all of these things and, and where you're putting them.
2: Well, you want as few as you can get by with, but as many as you need. So you certainly need one for each medium that you're getting input that has to be processed. So if you're still getting, still getting voicemail, you need that auditorially. You need obviously your email or emails. Uh, and various, you know, digital in baskets. I don't think anybody's not getting mail anymore physically. So you still certainly need something like that at home. Your mailbox is an inbox that then ideally somebody picks up the mail out of your mailbox and then goes and distributes it based upon is that is that my life partners, is that my sons, is that mine? And so you still need. I'm looking at mine right now. I'm you know moved to Amsterdam. They still got a lot of junk mail that shows up you know here. So. Having to thread through that, and but there's still a letter, and there's still something, there's still something else I'm getting physically, and it's also where I threw, you know, my receipts from the Apple Store and the uh, the, the little uh, um paradiso This is the schedule of the cool rock concerts out across the street from us at this you know wonderful little venue, and you pick that schedule up at the 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 bagel store, you know, right on the corner, so. I don't know, you know, if you if you can't deal with that in the same way, you know, you know, come and grow up. You're not going to get rid of that. So there's still physical things you're still going to need to deal with your own stuff that you're going to collect, whether it's meetings, you know, meeting notes that you take that you're going to need to throw into there or whether it's receipts that you that you receive, you're going to need to input into Quicken or whatever your, you know, your financial stuff is. You're still getting all of that. So it's not. You know, we're still a, f- a far way. We, we've come a long way, obviously, but we're still a far way from being able to totally get rid of anything physical or paper that still needs to be processed. So you still have to have some physical thing to be able to gather that. Otherwise, you're going to throw it into huh stacks and spread it all around your life.
0: How how much of yours have you managed to convert into into a paperless workflow? Are you moving towards a paperless system or?
2: Oh, just sort of naturally as it as it shows up. Yeah you know, keeping a scanner right at hand, you know, so I can, I can digitalize that. that that's fine. You know, I'm, I get, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing that. There's still a lot of things though, that it's just more trouble to do that than it is to throw it. Sure. Know, I, I think, I think I wrote in the book that I, I'm, when I moved to Europe, I got rid of my physical tickler file, but I'm still thinking I still need to recreate one problem is in Europe, you can't buy the cool gear that you can in the States to make that easy to do. So I'm still having to do a digital version of my Tickler stuff. I'm having to scan stuff or, you know, save stuff in files and then put it into my, you know, calendar system that then triggers in a certain place. And I've got a pretty good system, you know, digitally that'll remind me of that. But there's nothing like having those physical things in my hand. There's still, so I miss it. So. You know, so I'd say, yeah, it's gone from maybe 20% digital to 80% digital.
1: It's a, you know, our audience is very techie, you know, Mac power users. And there's a lot of people out there doing a high degree of digital capture with this stuff. But even then, I would also think that our audience is very practical and you just use what works and you just figure it out. Like I, I wrote a book about going paperless. So every time I'm in a room and I pull out a piece of paper and write something down, they always make jokes. Hey, there's the paperless guy, you know, writing down notes. But sometimes that's the best tool for the job, but not always. And and I think it's just kind of a personal decision. The main thing is. um is hopefully that you're capturing it all, right? I mean, that's well. It's just an efficiency factor. If you know what you're doing,
2: efficiency is your only impl- improvement opportunity. But if yeah. I have to pull something out and boot it up, and oh, damn, the battery's low. You know, yeah. Give me a break. Yeah, you know that it's just that's that's just silly. So, and I know, and I may have mentioned this in our previous, um, you know, engagement together, but a lot of high tech people, a lot of a lot of Apple based people are going back to paper in terms of just their personal systems, just because there's only one click, flip it open, write it down. (laughs) One click, open it up, look, as opposed to boot it up, punch this, click three times, find the right list. You know, Oh, I have to type it in, but it's like, Oh God. Yeah. I, you know, there's obviously plus and minus on, on either one. Nothing's perfect. You know, with any of these but I think it's silly for people to assume that digital is more efficient and
1: effective in every case. Absolutely. You got to pick what works, but getting back to your inbox. Now you've got the, for instance, you were talking about, you've got the, the the rock schedule and the, the different pieces of paper, the Apple receipt. Now, how often will you go through that inbox and, and go and sort through it? I'll empty it before I go to sleep for sure. Yeah. And, and that's something that you have Done throughout this process, and you've always said this through your books, is you have to, to do it frequently.
2: Well, if you don't, it'll back up like bad plumbing, and then you'll just start to let this stuff spread all around your life. If you don't empty it regularly, there's a part of you that will resist getting it to begin with. Yeah. And so, you know, it's flow, it's all about flow. I, I don't want anywhere to have backed up um, unprocessed things that are potentially meaningful.
1: I don't care where it is, in what form. In the last chapter of this new book, you have a, a, a lot of new content called GTD Levels of Mastery, and I, I have to admit, I've now read this chapter like three times because I, I feel like I'm getting a ton out of this. And and uh, and you started out by explaining the car analogy, and you talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but but how do you could you explain that a little bit further in terms of GTD?
2: Well, in a way, it's a holistic system. So sort of managing the ecosystem of your life, you know, where am I, who am I, what am I about, how am I, how do I be productive or appropriately engaged with what this whole game is all about. So GTD has just been a way to begin to unpack the components of that so that you can manage that with the least amount of effort and the maximum amount of creativity. So what we've discovered over these years is there actually is a linear path of people as they mature with this methodology. We're not born doing this. This is not something the brain naturally does. You don't walk in and see something and it automatically, your brain automatically knows what the next action is. You actually have to put conscious cognitive horsepower to making those kinds of decisions. So GTD actually just uncovered or discovered or identified or codified essentially what we have to do to take this complex world that we're engaged in and somehow make sense out of it and be able to surf on top of it as opposed to feel buried by it. And so we've watched that as people began to implement this, you know, ourselves included that there is a trajectory there's an, there's an arc, if you will, of this maturity with this process. And the first thing is just getting control of the basics. So that we're now designing, it's interesting because it's sort of simultaneously, we've both you know, been tasked to design a global education of the, of the GTD model, which we're now spreading out around the world with our franchisees. And we identified it in three levels you know, in terms of what we need to, you know, the the three levels that seem to need, need to get under your belt, and there is a sequence to that. So the first level is just the basic blocking and tackling, or the basic moves I need to learn. And that's true about chess or about learning the tango or learning about the flute or, you know, playing soccer or anything. You know, they're basic moves you need to get down. So in GTD, there's the fundamental moves, which are what's, what's the next action, keeping things out of your head. What's the two-minute rule? You know, how do you create lists that then categorize the next actions you have, you know, how, uh, the weekly review. So, I mean, those, as you can imagine, just those to become, you can consciously be aware of them in about two minutes, but to make them habitual takes about two years. But once you get those under your belt, then there's the next level of game that it sort of opens your awareness to and gets you attracted to and, and, and you can't help move to, which is even though the first level kind of gets you in control day to day, the next level would be how do I get control sort of week to week So I'm not too concerned about how the rest of this month is going to go because I'm looking from that horizon, both calendar and time-wise, but also from the project level. So getting a complete project list, next level of game, and understanding how to take projects and situations and work them through with the natural planning model to get them off your mind. So there's a whole next level of game, and once that becomes habitual, then the next level of refinement about all this is how do I put all this together together? in terms of a sort of a life flow, you know, workflow, uh, ecosystem that no matter what happens and what changes in my life, I know how to pull it all together. And that's the one that says, Hey, one minute I get an email from my grandmother. The next minute I've got a staff person who's about to cry. I need to take him to lunch. And then the next minute I realize, oops, I've got a, uh, something I need to see my doctor about. And that could happen in 20 minutes. And how do I manage all of that and all of those inputs and not feel overwhelmed, but feel like I knew what those meant, where they fit into my ecosystem, and place the appropriate reminders in the right places so I can turn around with you, David, or Katie, and be totally present no matter what happened in those last 20 minutes? So that's a level of game and mastery, if you will, that there is a flow to that and there is a progression of that.
1: Now, how do you, if you're out there listening and And you're, let's say you see yourself at level one, but you, you you know, you, you've got it down. You've been using the GTD system, but you'd like to start expanding your horizon a bit. What are some ways that you could kind of kickstart yourself into kind of jumping up to that more deeper level of awareness? You're asking me what someone could do. Yeah.
2: And that, well, read the book, (laughs) Uh, reread the book. You know, I really wrote the manual. I threw the whole kitchen sink in there. I figured if I, you know, that a lot of, one of the biggest complaints is there's just too much in there. People feel overwhelmed. They look at it and like, go, oh my God, I have to do all that. I know. But I've given you the manual so in case you're off or you need to look it up, called, how do I do X, Y, and Z or whatever, you know, you can, you can come back to the well essentially and find out how to get back on your game. So there's a lot in that. So that, that is a whole context of, it. I mean, we've, we're, that's our challenge as a company to try to stay viable and keep a business model and be able to scale this around the world is trying to build support mechanisms for people to play at multiple different levels.
0: Yeah. And so you now, also have a lot of resources over at your, at your website. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things there? Because I know a lot of your staff does, does classes and webinars, and I found some very interesting resources there that have allowed me to up my game.
2: Yeah, Yeah. We, we do webinars. We have GTD Connect, which is a sort of online subscription model where you can get in and get into a whole library of years of just all kinds of content around this and very cool stuff. Um, we, we, uh, you can know, just check in. There's a lot of free articles there. there. There's support materials. There's there's we've written white papers about, hey, if you want to use Evernote and reconfigure it to map to this model, here's the best practices of that. So there's, you know, we're trying to, you know, sort of serve the public based upon the needs that, that that show up and what we can produce to help people sort of, you know, stay on, get online, move to the next level, keep themselves engaged or whatever. And we're just beginners at that, I, I think still. I mean, you know, my that's not my expertise. My expertise was figuring this out. But, you know, we've, we've got a lot of talented people and we're it's some cool stuff. And, you know, things coming down the pike. We, we actually are in major research and development mode right now for an online, you know, self-paced learning for this. Because we knew that was where, you know, technology is obviously a requirement. And, you know, my book is in 30 languages. We now are officially in 50 countries in terms of, you know, exclusive franchisees who've, you know, who we're now training master trainers in their languages and their regions to be able to then spread this training program, you know, around the world. So lots of ways to play.
1: And you know going back to the idea of just saying read the book. Uh we we laugh but it's it's really true. In my experience I've read the book several times over the years and it seems like every time I go through it I I get something new out of it and maybe I'm reading it from a different viewpoint because I've been playing with the stuff a little bit longer every time. But um if you if you ha- have read the book but you want to go back and read again I recommend getting the new version because there is some really great stuff in there. And it's it's just a really good time to go, kind of take a re- give yourself a refresher course and see what comes out of that. Yeah. Yep, I, that's why I wrote it, and it's even more evergreen now.
2: So yeah, come on, come on back to the well. Yeah. And,
1: and one of the things I like that you did in this version is um, and it, it's kind of you know, our show is about technology and how to use tools to get better at things. Um, but you you kind of take an agnostic approach to it in this in this book. You're saying, look. These tools are going to change. Uh, whatever I write, if I pick a specific software application today and a year from now, that may not be the one that you need. Um, but I just want to talk about, you know, the, the high level ways of using this stuff and what types of technology would make sense for you. And I, I thought that was a really smart way to go at that problem.
2: Well, I, you know, I, I mentioned technology in the first edition because technology was pretty new to most of the professional world. And so the the fact that people could even start to understand that technology could be used to facilitate this thought process, you know, was a new thing. And and I I think people needed to know that. But as you know, in the first edition, there was Palm Pilot and Outlook and Lotus Notes and things like that. And, you know, uh, three years from now, none of those, well, Palm Pilot, unfortunately, doesn't exist anymore. Uh, You know, those things will go by the wayside. And then people got too wrapped around the tool as opposed to the methodology and the thought process. If you understand the thought process and the methodology, then you'll know how to use whatever tool shows up, you know, three years from now. You know, well, you'll know how to evaluate it. You'll know what you need from it. And you'll know how to then work it as opposed to boot the tool and assume it's going to fix your life. Good luck.
1: Well, David, uh, congratulations on getting this new book out. And um, it really is. It really is a great book. Like I said, the stuff at the end is worth the price of admission alone, but kind of the recasting of the whole method as you go through the book. And I I know you had put in the introduction that you, you literally took the old book and went through every word and, and recast it for 2015. And it it is a, I think it really is a great um, second, I guess is the second edition. Is that what you're calling it? uh well, it's the new, edition. new they, edition they're
2: calling the 2015 edition until 2015 is over and then they'll just <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll only be on the, the imprint on the front for this year but you know yeah the new
1: version whatever that is well, new I, edition. whatever you called i'm really happy that you did it because i've i've really enjoyed going through it again and kind of tuning my own system and everybody out there i, I highly recommend going out and getting the new edition and and learning the stuff the cognitive science chapter alone is going to make you feel really great about yourself as you're doing this stuff And if you're having trouble implementing it, it's going to give you a lot of good reasons to take another stab at it. So go check that out. Um, Did I miss anything, Katie?
0: No, I think you've got it.
1: Yeah, Um, We are so pleased to have you back. And, um, you know, I I think I said this before, but in the last show you were on, but GTD has made such an impact on my life. And I know a lot of our listeners lives as well. Um, There's so much I've been able to do because i was able to kind of get a little more control over my life with this stuff you've taught and i'm will be forever thankful to you for that thanks david that's lovely to hear i never quite know what sticks
2: out there so it's always inspiring to me when i when i hear something stuck to the wall and you know, improved any kind of condition for anybody that's 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 my game so thanks so thanks to <laughs> well, you and katie thanks for bringing me back on yeah, it's fun.
0: Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have links to everything uh, that we talked about in this episode uh, that you can find at relay.fm/slash mpu/slash uh, 254 for this episode, uh, including links uh, to David's Getting Things Done website, as well as where you can find his book uh, and follow David on Twitter. Uh, and, David, thank you again for joining us, and we will see you all next time.